Man, God loves us. Amen. No matter what, I'm here to tell you, if you're, if you're here today and you're discouraged, if you're here today and you're going through the battle of your life, know one thing, that God loves you. And His love, we cannot even define. We can try, we can grasp, we can put a definition on it, but it's so pure, it's so great, it's so vast that none of us could truly define the love of God. We're all just walking examples of the love, right? Amen. And so I'm ready. Listen, I'm going to take my glasses off. And I always say that because I can't see 10 feet in front of me. So if you think I'm staring at you, oh, that preacher was looking just at me. No, I wasn't looking just at you because everything's a blur. And uh, so, amen. Well, we had a good, we did have a good uh, lock-in. Uh, I can assure you if some of y'all would have came in about right after the Nerf gun, y'all would have thought, man. These young people have no respect for the house of God. They had, I mean, this place looked like a war zone. I don't know how many thousands of Nerf little darts there is, but I mean, there was a lot around here, and it looked pretty rough. It's, it, it looks really good now, and so I was nervous. I'm like, oh, man, if somebody comes in, they're going to see this church. They're going to see this whole building. We had it occupied, and it was just, uh, it was wild, and so anyway... I don't do the Nerf gun. We actually had to have one youth go home and got his eye scratched by a Nerf, uh, so it got bad. <laughs> you know, there's one thing in my life, and God's been good to me. And this morning, I'm going to be speaking on the anointing. And there's one thing that I know. You, you can have talent and not the anointing, and it's just talent. You can have someone that gets up here and sings with the anointing and not much talent but it ministers to the soul. You can have someone with great talent that has the anointing, and it just radiates out, right? But the anointing, you, we need the anointing of God in our life. It's not, it's not something that we just read about. It's not, it's not, his presence is not something we read about. His presence is something that we don't just read in the New Testament, how God moved or how God moved in the Old Testament. I'm telling you what, if we believe the Word of God, I believe the God that moved in the Old Testament, I believe the God that moved in the New Testament, it's the same God that moves today. So if there's anything in the Word of God that I read about, that I see that made an impact on people's life, shouldn't that happen today? You know, you're not convincing me. I mean, I'm here to tell you right now, if it's in the Word of God, I don't know about you, but I'm just this gullible. I don't know about you, but if I see that the blind, their eyes were opened in the New Testament, if I see the lame walk, if I see the dead brought back to life, I'm just gullible enough to believe that God can still do it today. That's just me. That's just me. And, and, and I want to tell you something. The presence of God, the anointing, whatever you want to call it, whatever verb you want to put on it, whatever action, I'm telling you right now, without it, we are nothing. We are nothing. I can be educated. I can have all kinds of things. I can read all kinds of books. But without the presence of God flowing out of me in my life, it's nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing. And so many Christians don't grasp a hold of this. The reason being is because we don't talk about the anointing enough. We don't talk about the presence of God enough. It's like we want to put God in a box. No matter how big of a box we build, our God cannot be put in a box. God, how many believe that God can do anything? I mean absolutely anything. You believe it. Shout it to the, I believe God can do anything. Let's do it. I believe God can do anything. 
So the anointing, the anointing, and let's see if this is going to work. It is not going to work. I have to do it this way. Okay. Uh, and it still ain't working. This could be a problem. This could be a problem. All right. So the anointing of the Holy Spirit is given to illuminate his word, to open the scriptures, to place the spiritual man in direct communication with the mind of God, Charles Parman. Man, and that's so true. I met so many people, and, I, and I, I'm drawn to, this is really weird, I'm drawn to our elderly, I'm dying, I'm getting to be one of them, right? But I'm drawn, all my life, I've, I've liked talking to, to those in their 60s and their 70s, and I, and I love listening to them and listening to their experience. I've just been, I've been drawn to them, and now here I am, a youth pastor, and it's just, God's, God's got a crazy sense of humor, right? And, uh, and so, so, you know, and, and, and I've been drawn to them. And, and, and so when I think about this, you know, I, th- I sit and I listen to a Brother Brown who was nothing more than just a, a great farmer, and a, but, but the greatest thing, he was a great man of God. And he, I had so many mentors in my life growing up. And Brother, Bar- uh, Brother Brown, I remember I'd go to his house and we would begin to talk. And, and I'm telling you, before I left there, we had to have a prayer meeting. Every time I went there, we had to have a prayer meeting. And a prayer meeting consisted of kneeling down in the chair that I was sitting. He nailed down the chair he was sitting. And Cleo, or his wife, sat and nailed down. And we prayed. And oh, the feel the presence of God. Every time I talked to him, when he talked, it was with great wisdom and great power. Because the anointing of God rested upon his life. Did he have a high school education? No. Don't even know if he ever went to school. But there's one thing he had. He had the anointing of God. He had the presence of God in his life. And if we could cherish this presence, if we could just grab a hold of this presence and realize the anointing or the Holy Spirit is given to illuminate the Word. The Word is your whole Bible. It's life. Everything in it. That the Spirit of God is to illuminate that Word out of us. Think about it. To open the Scriptures, to play spiritual man in direct communication. How many feels like you have direct communication with God? Are you confident? Man, I'm here to tell you, don't miss out. Let me tell you about the anointing. The anointing is not just for those who are on stage. The anointing is not somebody just in leadership. The anointing is not just for a pastor. The anointing is for everyone. I don't know about you, but the anointing is for all. That means you can have the anointing, the presence of God in your life. Is it going to switch? No, it's not. No, I guess it is. All right, so the Spirit, I put this together. I robbed this from somebody. I don't even remember who I robbed it from. Uh, probably that book you gave me, uh, uh, Garrick, that you hadn't read. Uh, the Spirit wrote the Scripture. The Spirit wrote the Scripture. We learn the Scripture. The Spirit brings to our mind what we learn. We apply what He brings to our mind. And that's powerful because let me tell you something. Don't be shy about talking about the Holy Spirit. I personally don't believe how one can read the Bible and not include the third person of the Trinity. I personally believe how can you read the Bible and be hushed and not quiet about and be quiet about the presence of God. It's like we're scared to have a move of God. It's like we're afraid to see something happen. You know what it is? We want to be totally in control. And I'm here to tell you with the anointing you're still in control, right? Read the, read the book of Corinthians. All the gifts you have, you still exercise the right to use them or not. 
but we're so scared to talk about the presence of God. Let me tell you something, Living Water, and for all those who are watching. The only reason why this church is growing is because we realize that it's God and his presence. And we're open to that move. Wherever he takes us, wherever he goes, we're thankful for the move of God. But God wants that mood to be in your life every day. God wants you to be driving down the road. And God speaks to your mind heart. Man, man, have you thought about Brother Mike today? Hmm? Man, have you thought about Brother Jerry today? Those thoughts that come into your mind, that's not coming from you. You can't think of anything good. We're all rotten to the core, right? It's only because of what Christ has done that we're, we're able to, to, to advance in this gospel. And so I've learned in my life, when people come up on my heart and mind, that is God's Holy Spirit. That is the Spirit of God that's saying, pray. Whether I obey or disobey is the question. See, I'm here to tell you. God moves at all times. And so we look at this, and it's so powerful because he only moves. And the reason why I put that one up there, and it didn't stay up there, is because the uh, uh, Scripture. Now, I want you to think about this. I'm going to walk you through this. Just bear with me a little bit. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit, with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him, Acts 10, 38. You can go back in the New Testament, I mean, in, in the Gospels, and you can see the same passage of Scripture almost. And I begin to think about the anointing. When you think about the anointing, you think about it in the Old Testament. When you think about anointing, you think about the oil being poured over Aaron, the priest, Moses' brother, and the oil running down his beard, right? You think about that. You think about David. You think about leaders being anointed. In the New Testament, you think about maybe Jesus. How uh, one passage of Scripture says that Mary poured it over his head. Others say that he, 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 uh, uh, she poured the oil on his feet. So in the Old Testament, they poured it on. But in the New Testament, in the Greek, it would take on the meaning, the meaning that it, it, with oil that it smeared on you. Like, you know, how many has ever rubbed lotion or oil on you? How many, how many just, I mean, are you thankful that God says, man, I want to rub my spirit all on you, in you. I want you to absorb it. And so the anointing, that's what the anointing is. Now, I, I begin to think about this, and I thought, now, if Jesus needed to be anointed, how many thinks we need to be anointed? Hello? I mean, he is, because that God-man, I mean, he was, he was God's son, but when he came in the flesh, he had to have the Spirit of God leading him and guiding him. I mean, I want to tell you, there's no flesh that can put their hands on someone and their eyes see, right? Flesh can't do that. That's got to be something different inside of us. That's got to be the Spirit of the living God. Right? That's got to be when, when you know, hey, man, I've got to go over here and I've got to get by the well at Samaria because I'm going to meet this woman. And, and that's got to be the Spirit of God leading him. All the things. I mean, pastor, one day, drove by this building. He seen this building. And he looked at this building. And it did not look like this, trust me. It did not look like this. And I remember when he brought me out here and he was so excited. And I've learned one thing. And it's hard to learn sometimes. And don't ever be this person. I've been this person enough, right? Is when someone's so excited about something that they're going to do. I mean, they're excited. They, and they and don't be the person that says, well, I don't know. I've learned one thing. I like it when people get excited about what I want to do. But am I excited about what they want to do? Am I behind them? And I remember he, he walked in here and I've seen this place. And I was like, oh, my goodness. 
You want, you want me to be honest with you? The first thing I thought about is, oh, my goodness, this is going to be a lot of work. Hello? <laughs> Hello? We don't like work, do we? That's going to be a lot of work. And I thought about it. But God spoke to him. The reason why we know that God spoke to the pastor and he listened is because look around you. Look at the facility. Look at it. God spoke to him. That was the presence of God. This is what I'm going to be talking about all morning. The anointing of God that speaks to us and tells us to do something. So many times we don't act, we don't move because we think it's the flesh. And I'm here to tell you, you can't think of anything good. So when God lays something on your heart, realize that's the presence of God putting the stamp of approval and saying, go go and so we we see this and 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 it's it's powerful powerful to build again on this when he had been baptized jesus came up immediately from the water behold the heavens were open to him he saw the spirit of god descending like a dove and lightening up on him and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying this is my beloved son whom i am well pleased the holy spirit was given the stamp of approval I'm building a case here in my introduction. Just, just stay with me. The Holy Spirit came. God speaks, this is my beloved son. You only see this three times in Scripture. Beloved son, the phrase. Once is right now. The second is on the Mount of Transfiguration. And the third is when Abraham was offering up Isaac. You see the same term, the beloved son. Now, I'm recalling all this. Now, I want you to note I'm calling all this because I can't get off this screen because of technology. So I cannot look at my notes. I'm just telling you, I'm just trying this from recall. And uh, so, so bear with me on this. So we see how important that this is. What happened when Jesus was baptized? Just going to walk through it. Immediately the heavens were opened up to him. He saw the Spirit of God resting up on him. He heard a sudden voice from heaven, and the voice stated, This is my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased. I don't know about you, but when Jesus was baptized and the presence of God came by the way of the Spirit, by a symbol of a dove, when it came up on him, the baptism, it says that the heavens were open up to him. Oh, I've got good news for you people. We get baptized as well in the Holy Spirit when we ask Christ in our life. How many realize this? The heavens are open up to us. They're open up to us. I mean, the sky truly is the limit when you're God's people. We just have to believe it. We just have to believe it. We have to get down our heart and mind and say, man, you mean just as the heavens were open up to Jesus, the heavens are open up to us? Absolutely 100%. God said, go you into the world and spread the gospel, the Great Commission. I don't know about you, but we're going to see things happen. I've seen a lot of things happen in my life, and I could share them with you. Just a tremendous amount of things happen. Number one thing that I can tell you, that, that we have a God that still heals. How many believes that? Come on, man, say it like you believe it. You're never going to get a healing. How many believes that God heals? If you don't believe that, I am so sorry that you don't believe that. But I, I can tell you, I'm eyewitness. There's one thing that you can tell me. You can argue with me all you want. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm going to be like the blind man. Listen, I can tell you, you can try to trip me up. You can try to say this. You can try to pin Jesus. One thing I know is I was blind and now I see. One thing I know is I've seen God move tremendously in my life and in other people's life. And I have seen many healings. Number one healing that I see that I will show, I will hold dear to my heart all the days of my life, my mom and dad are probably watching, is my dad's healing. My dad, uh, uh, just love my dad. I can't speak enough of my dad, but 
my young childhood, my dad was, you know, he was often alcohol heavy. He was around her, let me tell you. And it caught up with him. It caught up with him. To the point that he was having some stomach issues, passing blood and whatnot. And he was going to have to have his colon taken out because of the ulcers. And all I can tell you through tests, through going back before surgery, all I can tell you is they did some more tests. And all I can say is the night we, we prayed at Davila, uh, a church, the church that I got saved in, we prayed for him. We laid hand on him. And all I can tell you, if you read the doctor, I think the doctor told my mom that all we can tell you is the act of God because he don't need his colon taken out. God has touched him. Don't tell me there's not a God. Don't tell me there's not a God that can move. Don't tell me there's not a God that can heal. That's what the anointing will do, the presence of God. God will help you and will guide you into all truth. Nothing will be done outside the scriptures, but in scriptures I find healing. Right? Healing. Does God heal everyone? No. He does not heal everyone. I don't know the mind of God in its completeness, but God has a perfect will for everyone. So we see this. What happens is the heavens were opened to him. I don't know about you, but I want, I desire the heavens to be opened unto me. Man, God, whatever you want to reveal to me. And anything he reveals to me is going to be in his word. It's not going to be some new thing, something fly-by-night thing. Anything God reveals to me is going to be in his word, in his word. So four truths from Acts 10, 38. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power to do good, to heal all who oppressed with the devil. God was with him. Question for you. If we're anointed, which we are, we're going to see this in a moment. If we're anointed, should not we have the same attributes? Just a question for you. If we had the same anointing, because when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, the word Holy Spirit, if you look in the, word, the book of John, the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, I'm going to send another one, a comforter. And what it means is one just like Jesus. The Holy Spirit, do you realize, this morning is just like Jesus. Another one, just like him. He goes on and he tells us in the Gospel of John that he's going to be inside of us. There's that anointing, that smearing. I don't know about you, but I want the anointing of God. So pay close attention. So God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit with power. How many feels like you had the Holy Spirit and power? Mm, you're not convincing this morning. Come on, man. Let me tell you something, church. This is why the church needs to grow in the teaching and the work of the presence of God. You had the Holy Spirit inside of you. The Bible promised that to us. And come, what comes along with the Holy Spirit is the power to do God's work. That's it. Listen, I don't know. Listen, I tell the youth, I told the youth this morning, I don't know how come God's blessing the youth as far as in my natural thing. It is nothing that Victoria and I are doing. We're old. I can't even hang with them. I'm telling you, we were dead yesterday. I'm telling you, there was no life in us. We need the Spirit of God to even help us walk yesterday. The bottom of my feet hurt right now, like real sore, because I walk back and forth, back and forth. I'm like, man, I hope this ain't broke, this ain't broke. I got to walk back and forth, and I got to watch. Man, we're old. The reason is because these young people have opened their hearts to God. When you open your heart to God, 
When you open your heart to God, He is going to flow and move out of you. Because the Holy Spirit is with every born-again believer. And what do we need to be doing? I guess the same thing that Jesus was doing, to do good. How many has been about doing good this past week? Man, I don't know. We might need to have a prayer meeting in here this morning. (laughs) Doing good to all those who are oppressed with the devil. I think about being oppressed with the enemy. We think about healing. So many times we think about physical healing. But what about emotional? What about mental? What about spiritual? Come on now. And Jesus says, man, you're, you know, if I'm going to do good and I'm going to heal all who is oppressed the devil, that's why we go out and we love people. That's why we have a Roland's ministry. That's why we have all these ministries in our churches because we're trying to spread the gospel. We're trying to get it out there for everybody to see and hear because we know the one thing we know, there's a lot of people that are oppressed. That's why we're having the Freedom Nights on Wednesday because people are oppressed. They're beaten down. And God was with him. See, the difference is when you go out to do good, is it, it, when you know that God's with you. Man, if you've got God on your side, who can be against you? Come on. Who can be against you? If you've got God on your side, man, you can do anything. And the reason why we know we got God on our side, if we're living according to the Scriptures, if we're abiding in the Scriptures, and we're practicing the Scriptures, and we're doing what the Scriptures tell us to do, then we know God's on our side. If we're not... Man, God's not on your side if you're about doing wrong. God's, God's word speaks very clearly. He's not, he's not, when we're walking in disobedience, God's not for disobedience. God is for obedience. And so we go on. So John's statement about us. John answered, and this was uh, the, uh, John the Baptist, saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you of water. Now, first of all, how many believes the Word of God? I mean, you believe it with everything in you. Make, 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 the, enemy, make the enemy believe, believe that you believe that. Do you believe everything in the Word of God? The Word of God says, John answers, saying to them, I indeed baptize you with water. With water. But one mightier than I cometh, the latch of whose shoes I'm not worthy to unloose, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Do you still believe the Word of God? How many has the Holy Ghost and fire inside of you? Don't don't try. Hey, 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 hey. I didn't write this. It's either the truth. Or it's a lie. It's all 100% true or it's 100% false. Not 90% true, 10% false. I believe every word of God. I believe every scripture. I believe it's 100% accurate. Do you believe that? Then why? Why don't we experience more? Are we getting a little uncomfortable? All right, some of you are starting to put that title. I know he came from the Pentecostal faith. It had nothing to do with the Pentecostal faith. Not a thing. Not one thing. It has to do with what the Word of God says. And all I know, there was a crazy man in a beard that ate funny insects and that dressed funny. And all I know, that he was a pretty important person. All I know, when he was in the womb of his mother, when he got side by side of Mary, when, 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 when he was beside Jesus, even in the womb, that he leaped and he jumped. 
All I know that John the Baptist was called by God to perform a way, to, to say his is the way, to prepare the way for Jesus. And he said, man, I'm telling you all, I indeed baptize you of water, but one mightier than I come of the latch of whose shoes I'm not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Be scared. Be scared. Put up your blinders. Do whatever you want to do. But there is nothing, nothing of substance that can't be done without the Spirit of God. That's why when you see us gathered together, that's why when you see the youth gathered together, man, I tell you, man, I am so thankful. I am so thankful. There was one, and I'm going to pick on you, Scott, a little bit. There was one guy when we went to Dallas that I was a little concerned about when we got back. It had been Brother Scott. I thought he was going to rip my head off because I, I warned everybody. It, was, it's, it, it, it is Pentecostal. There, there was a lot of things to happen that's going to happen there. And I thought, man, when I get back, oh, Scott's going to rip me up. But there's one thing that Scott understood in the spirit. Am I telling you I agreed 100% with everything? I don't agree with 100% of everything that goes on here. <laughs> but there's one thing that Scott recognized that I recognize. That these young people, that their hearts have turned on. And there's something about worship. And man, I tell you. I've had, an, I, I've had, I've had a, you know, a companion, uh, or more than one companion. I've had companions from the start of that youth group. Brother Scott and Sister Becky's been one of them. And Scott gets in there, and he just worships with them in the Lord. And, man, I tell you, you feel the power and the presence of God. Our young people knows what the power of God's doing in their life. They're, 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 they're changed. They have a heart right now. There's just something about what the Spirit of God does. There's something when we talk about the Spirit of God, when we're not afraid to talk about it, when we're, able, we're not afraid to talk about all of scripture and say look we just welcome do we understand all of scripture no but there's one thing i believe all scripture and so we go on so we see this is going to happen and this has happened to all of us jesus statement about us if you love me keep my commands i will walk as the father he will give you another there it is another another that means just like him an advocate to help you and be with you for how long how long forever the spirit of truth the world cannot accept him. What you're doing this morning is absolutely pathetic to the world. What you're doing this morning is absolutely crazy to a lot of the worldly thinkers. You do what? You come to church. You waste a couple of hours on your Sunday, on your weekend off, and you come to church. You go to church on Wednesday night. You're absolutely crazy. You're a bunch of fanatics. That's what the world thinks, but they don't understand. Listen, the spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him. The only one that can accept the fullness and the anointing of God is those who've asked Jesus into their life and their heart. Then you understand what the presence of God is. You tell me God don't move. You tell me God don't answer prayer. I've got four months of prayer requests, and there's probably well over 200 of them, and I can tell you God has answered over 100 of them already. Don't tell me God can't move. But you will know him. He lives with you, and he will be in you. Boy, in the Old Testament, the oil of God, it seemed like the Spirit of God would, 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 would just come upon them. And, and, you know, and I begin to think about this because my mind runs, and I don't want to be a long-winded preacher. I don't because Daniel will make fun of me. And, uh, and I thought about the Spirit of God, and I thought, you know what? Adam and Eve had the abundance and the fullness of the Spirit. They could go and do 
And all they wanted to do was worship the Lord. All they wanted to do was enjoy what God had created for them until they sinned. And then sin got so bad. And I'm thinking about it, and I'm still working on this. Don't, don't say this, but I got, this is how my mind works. Sin got so bad. And I don't, there's two types of spirit here maybe we're talking about, but I don't think so. That God makes a statement in Genesis, this is before Noah, that my spirit will not always strive with man. But my mind knows that what John says, that the spirit of God shall be of you forever. So if he says in Genesis that my spirit will not always strive with you, and you have in John that my spirit will be of you forever, uh uh-oh, then that's what causes me to think. So I begin to think about the fall. I begin to think about Adam and Eve. I begin to think that the spirit, is this a living spirit? Is he talking about their spirit? Still working on it. Is he talking about the presence, the Holy Spirit of God? That part of the triune God? But all I know is that it probably came to pass, because this would be just like God, that God gets angry. God is sick at looking upon the world and finding being only eight people to not destroy. No one in his family. Everybody else was destroyed. Sin's pretty serious. But God realizes, makes a promise that he'll never destroy the earth by a flood again. It's kind of awesome. So my mind's working through all this. And then I begin to think, well, you know, if he, if he says that the earth will never be destroyed again, isn't it just like God to preserve eight? Isn't it just like God to start promising? And the highlight, and one of the highlights of highlights in the, in the, in the book, in the New Testament, the greatest highlight is Calvary, right? And what Jesus done on Calvary. But the next greatest highlight, most assuredly, was sending his spirit, that life back into people in the book of Acts. Now I'm working on that. I'm not telling that's theology I'm just sharing with you so if you love me keep my commands I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever how many believes that God's spirit as a Christian will be with you forever forever as a Christian you are blood-bought as a Christian you have the signature of approval from God God says I love you you are my child you're not an orphan no longer I'm going to send you the spirit he's going to be with you forever another one just like me but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you before long. The world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. Man, go back. Come on, church. Go back in your mind. How many could write about the times boy, God's been faithful? Mm -mm. Man, where I've come from and where I'm at now. Listen, if I was God, I would have killed me and left me dead a long time ago. A long time ago. But God chose not to do that. If I was God, I would not have me in the ministry. But God chose to have me in the ministry. Why? Because that's the kind of God that we serve. A kind of God that takes nobodies like us and makes somebody's out of us. We are called the children of God.
I hadn't even got to the sermon yet. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said you have heard from me. John truly baptized you of water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Whose promise was this? Whose promise was this? Wasn't Paul's promise? It wasn't the Pentecostal promise. It wasn't a denominational promise. It was God's promise. It was God's promise. Try to put him in a box, if you will. But it was God's promise that I'm going to sin. And all I know about you, when I read the book of Acts, those men, they were different under Jesus. But when the Holy Spirit became into their lives in the book of Acts, they were, I mean, changed 100%. Am I lying? They were a bunch of cowards. They couldn't stand up for the truth. They denied him. But man, when they got the Holy Spirit inside their hearts and souls and realized that this promise was there all along for them, to realize that this was the promise, this was the way that God was going to choose to finish out history, was to send the Spirit of God in his fullness. The Spirit of God was no longer going to be like oil poured over Aaron and the oil comes down. But the Spirit of God is going to be smeared inside of you in the New Testament and he's going to come out of you. That's God's word, people. Boy, what would you have done on the day of Pentecost? If you was a Catholic, what would you have done? If you was a Lutheran, what would you have done? If you was a Methodist, what would you have done? If you was a Baptist, what would you have done? If you was a Pentecostal, what would you have done? They didn't know anything about this then. All I know is a man got up. All I know is the Bible says they thought they were drunk. So there had to be something that, something I, I don't know. But they thought they were drunk. These men are drunk. All I know, the most important thing, the most important thing is 3,000 people got saved that day. <laughs> 3,000 people. And after that, the church was added to daily. So there's something about. We cannot overlook. You cannot read the New Testament. You cannot read the book of Acts. You cannot read that and say there's not something. You cannot deny the fact that Jesus said, I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. You can't deny that fact because you'd be calling the word of God a lie. And you can't do that. Now, I don't ever want to fall under the ground of adding to the Scripture or taking away from the Scripture because you're walking on dangerous ground. But I do want to follow Scripture. So, Jesus fills his, fulfills his promise. When they Pentecost had fully come, they were in one accord. Everybody say one accord. Say it again, one accord. Everybody make a promise to everybody here, I'm going to stay in one accord. No, I'm this season. One accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as fire. And one set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. And the Spirit gave them utterance. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. What? But everyone understood in their own language. Remember that. Everyone understood. No, I'm not here to get into to that. I'm being very cautious with my words this morning because I don't have my notes. 
But I do know this much. They all, verse 4, were filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what I do know. They were all filled with, and, and this, if you don't know it in church history, this is the birth of the New Testament church. It's the birth of the church that you're enjoying right now. So this was launched in. They all were filled. They're listening with the Holy Spirit. Do you believe it's important to be filled with the Holy Spirit? So, now to the sermon. I laid all that because it's so important for us to understand that we do not need to be afraid. I'm not afraid. If somebody asks me, man, do you believe in the Holy Spirit? Do you believe in the gifts? My answer, 100% is going to be, I believe everything the Word of God tells me. I believe everything the Word of God tells me. I believe in all the gifts. I believe everything that God can do because if it's in the Bible, it's right, it's true. I just, I, I believe everything. If you don't, I'm sorry. Didn't say I believed in people making a mockery out of the ministry. I didn't say I believed in certain things. But I believe in everything that the Bible states. I believe that if God, like I said, chose to raise a dead man, he can do it any time he wants. Because I'm here to tell you, we all were dead at one time spiritually. And because of the resurrection of Christ, we all been born again because we've accepted. So you've been born again. You've been raised from death to life. So, seven areas to access the anointing in my life. The anointing is the bondage-breaking power of God. Write that down. The anointing is the bondage-breaking power of God. It shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from thy shoulder, and his yoke from off thy neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. When you think about this yoke, think about an auction. I don't have my notes. Recall. Think about an auction. The ox that they used to pull things. And you, you had some ox that were lean. Their necks would be lean. They were stubborn. And, 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 and you know, they wouldn't. But you had the oxes that would listen, that would realize the power of the, the thing that guides them, the yoke and everything. And their necks would get big. And then all of a sudden, you know, sometimes their necks would burst. And oil would come out of their necks. And that would be like a representation, if you will, of the anointing. That's why he uses this analogy. But the good news is, no bondage is greater than the anointing. The anointing is the breaking power of God. So this morning, as we walk through these seven steps before the altar call, if you, if you are in bondage with anything, I'm telling you, the anointing is the bondage-breaking power of God. There is no bondage greater than the anointing. So whatever you may be struggling with in bondage this morning, whatever it is, I am here to tell you that the presence of God, the anointing of God can break that bondage and set you free. Whatever you say, you just don't know, you just don't understand. I'm here to tell you, I know God, and I know God knows all things, and I know my God can do anything. I'm telling you, my God, with him, all things are possible. Do you believe that this morning? Man, you ask a lot of questions, you know, with the youth, and you, and you get a lot of answers. We had a, we had a, a, a 12 o'clock session, and, and, and it was about, uh, what was it about, young people? See if they remember it. Generational curse. Generational curse, and how generational curse is there. I actually had to ask y'all because, to tell you the truth, I was up here and I forgot what, the, what I was saying. And I was hoping y'all would feed into me. And, but, I had to, but I remembered it once y'all said it. So the generational curse. 
the generational curse, that how it's talked about. And, and I begin to ask them a series of questions about what they deal with, what they have learned from their parents. Parents, do you want to hear it? <laughs> See, we had the mentality as parents, do what I say, don't do what I do. We have freedom not here on Wednesdays. We've had CR. We have Roland. We have a lot of things, right? Ann's house. And more than ever in a society that we live in, our, our adults are in bondage. And we expect so much more out of them. Hmm. They deal with anger. They're real. And I'm not just like pro 100% youth. Let's just think about the youth in the church. Man, I'm thinking about the whole. I asked a question. How many of you come from broken families? What was the percentage, y'all remember? It was way up there. No, it was like 85% of them. There was only a handful of them, like five or six, that didn't come from broken families. And we wonder what the struggle is. God, I know it makes you uncomfortable. I know it hurts. But I'm telling you, even though, even though that's true, that many of them come from broken families and they struggle with that more than you think. The anointing is the bondage-breaking power of God. No bondage is greater than the anointing. Even though they may have came from that. Now you could ask them the next question, how's it looking for you? And the next question was, hey, it's doing better, man. God's in this thing. My parents, they're starting to serve the Lord. My parents are starting to do this. I mean, come on. God is good. And that's why we're here because we're a mess and we all need Jesus. And I'm here to tell you, there is no bondage greater than the anointing. That's why we need the anointing. I better get off that. I'm getting some eyes. I can see you just a little bit. Maybe I can't see it. Maybe I just feel, I just feel the darts coming at me. I'm, dodging you know and uh, the anointing will make you the personal possession of the Holy Spirit man it makes you different man I'm gonna tell you something I, I, I want to be like the, the apostles I want to be like the apostle Paul I don't want to live for myself I struggle with I don't I don't want to live myself man I want to give everything I have I want to give my life everything I have to God I mean when you get to that point God's people it is a struggle at times but man I want to realize that the anointing will make you the personal possession I want to know that the Holy Spirit because the Bible says he resides right here that he's comfortable in this house I must the dime, you know I got to practice I must as an individual, I'm asking a lot. Some people ask me, how do you go the way you go? Listen, it's God. Because if I get in the flesh, I could tell you right now, I could talk myself out of a lot of things. I could talk myself out. Man, I'm up in age. I should be enjoying my life. I should have a little bit more freedom. I'd yada, yada, yada. Man, I want to tell you one thing. I need to decrease, and he needs to increase. <laughs> right? I mean, I'm only here for what? 
I don't know, my time's running out, I can tell you that. I don't know how many of my life's more than half over here on earth, but man, I'm going to live forever in heaven, I'm here to tell you. Y'all might be able to beat me around in basketball right now, but I got good news for you. I might be seven feet tall when I get to heaven, I don't know, but I'll play ball a lot different. The anointing will make you the personal possession of the Holy Spirit. I found in my servant David with my holy oil. I have anointed him. Psalms 89, 20. This shall be a holy anointing oil unto me throughout your generations. Unto me means exclusively blowing into God. It is set apart from no other purpose but his purpose. Mm. Man, if I could just realize this every day of my life. Man, I'm yours, Lord. Everything I'm not, you know, everything I am, Lord, whatever it is, I'm yours. I want to be yours, Lord. I want to give my life to you. I want to see people continue to touch. I want to see mom and dad's touch. I want to see marriages restored. I want to see the healed sick. I mean, I I, want to see the sick healed. I want to see people touched by God. Bible says we are the house of the temple that the Spirit lives in. We're exclusively blown to Him. Let's move on. The anointing will turn your darkest day into destiny. I've had some dark days. How about you? About 95% of my dark days have been my own doing. About 95% of your days has been your dark doing. Don't think it hasn't. It probably has. There's that 5% that we don't control. It could be 10. I don't know but like sickness, cancer. You know, you thought your life was all together and something happened. Those are some things that happen. A crash takes away your ability to do something. Those are some things. But even in those things, the anointing will turn your darkest day into destiny. Mm. Thus says the Lord to his anointing to Cyrus, I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places. The anointing will bring to remembrance the verse of scripture needed in your darkest day. The anointing is the light in every situation. No matter how dark it looks right now, the anointing represents Christ. He points towards Christ. Christ is the light. I am the way, the truth, and the light. The anointing will come upon you. It'll make your darkest days better. The anointing will bring divine liberation and exaltation over the enemy. Think about that. You prepared a table. We talked about that book from Louis Giglio. You prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over, Psalms 23.5. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. So no matter what's coming against you right now, maybe you're in a deep, dark valley, and it's not your doing. Just know. Just know God. He can get you through that. I didn't say that he might deliver you out of that valley. That's, I, I don't know. You know, you, you know, but I do know this. I do know this. God can make it better for you. I share this with my youth. I says, just remember one of the Ten Commandments says, honor thy father and mother. It doesn't say honor thy father and mother if they're doing good to you. Honor their father and mother if they're being a good example to you. It doesn't say that. It says honor your father and mother. It's, it's upon them to honor now, we have, some, we, have, we have some responsibilities, too. The anointing will bring you restoration after devastation. Some of you need some help. Some of you can't make it. You think you're big and you can carry it. You, how many realize by now you just can't carry it? Come on. How many weaklings do we have in here? How many realize you can't carry it? Mm. How many are still struggling thinking you're the one that carries it? You see, you've got it all wrong. You got it all wrong if you think that way because you're not strong enough to handle it. You've got to have a God that you can confine in. He created you. You've got to have a God. And you've got to say, God, man, I'm weak. I'm buckling at the knees. That's why we got to be yoked with him. 
When we can't pull, he can. When we can't last, he can. The anointing will bring you restoration and devastation. There's a story in the Bible. I'm going to move quickly. Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son who was slain at his feet because of the mishaps of John uh, of, of David. He was dropped. He was dropped at a young person at a young age. He was dropped. He was a cripple from their own. If you know the story about Meshivah, you can read it. I'll just paraphrase it for you quickly. That that uh, John, uh, that uh, Jonathan and Saul are gone now. They're they're dead. They've lost because of Saul's sins. They're gone. Jonathan, you know, and, and David was man. They were just kings. I mean, they were just friends. They were really just. I mean, it together. They're gone. And David says, David says, you know, man, I mean, he's looking here. And, and now David said, is there still anyone who is left at the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Is there, Meshavah is a crippled, a nobody. The throne has been taken away from his father. He's basically one of those guys that would sit at the temple and beg and beg for alms, beg for somebody to give him something. He couldn't walk. He lost the death. I mean, his father lost all. He, he had no inheritance from God, from, from his father. But because Jonathan and David were like this, Jonathan uh, David asked the question because there's some, I mean, if you were David, who would care about the house of Saul? If you were David, Saul tried to kill him how many times? He was like a fugitive. He was on the run from Saul most of his life. Who cares if anybody survives after Saul? He said, is there anyone left in Saul's house that I may show him kindness? Boy, that's when you're forgetting about yourself and you've got the mind of God. Right? And there was Meshavah, a crippled. Basically, the gist of the story, he says, bring him to the king's table. That would be David's table. And then he, from their own, he ate from the king's table. I've been a Meshavah crippled. I eat at the king's table now. How many eat at the king's table? Man, I eat at the table of Jesus now. Woo, I eat at the table of Jesus. And so we see this. The anointing will stir up the power of what is prophetic in you. Mm, what is prophetic? And this is where I had a whole bunch of notes, so we're going to have to go from recall. But the anointing which you have seen for him advising you, and you do not need to anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, it is true. It is not a lie. And just as it's taught you, you will, be abide, you will abide in him. 1 John 2, 27. It's the same John that wrote the Gospel of John. You can see John has the most theology about the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. But the anointing which you have received... How many's received the anointing? How many saved here? You should, you should have raised your hand when you said the anointing because if you're saved, you had the presence of God in your life. You have, there's, there's, there's not a second word, God's people. You're saved. And, and, and anointing which you have received from him abides in you. You do not need anyone to teach you. Now, that don't mean that you become some lone ranger. I just know everything. I don't need nobody to teach you. It means the ways and the minds of God, how God acts, how God moves. That's what it means. It means how God responds to things. You don't need someone to teach you how to get through life on every little situation. We have enough help, uh, help books. We have enough programs, right? But God says you don't need no one to teach you. I mean, I'm telling you, understanding the anointing that stirs the power that's what's prophetic in you, that's speaking forth in you, I want to tell you every one of us has the ability today to hear from heaven to hear from God and respond 
We don't have to have someone hold our hand and teach us. I'm here to tell you, if you've been called by God, you have the ability. You've been called by God because he saved you. And this prophetic gift is inside you, this power and everything that you do. Don't be like the fly not people where a lady came to me one time with a 7-Up can. And she was so serious. Bless her heart. And she said, man, this 7-Up can, God gave me a revelation. Now I'm telling you what, there's some quirky things out there. The seven was his perfect day. The up was a resurrection. The red dot was the blood of Jesus. And I guess that's fine and bandy. I don't know. I just shook my head and smiled and said, thank you, ma'am. I had the word of God. I'm not in the no freak show. I'm not into anything outside the truth. The last expected one, come on, young people. The last expected one is the electing for the anointing. Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David in the midst of his brothers. You are the candidate the Holy Spirit is looking for to use for the glory of God. Now, where are we at? Where are we at? I mean, sometimes we just have things happen and we never explain it, right? But this whole church has been because of God's presence moving. Not because of Pastor Daniel. Not because of anybody in the church. It's just that God, we're, obe- we're obedient. We've been obedient to God's move. we just like, God, whatever you want. I mean, Jared, did you ever think you would use a ministry, that you'd have a roll-on ministry? Did you think about that? Probably not. Did you ever think, Garrick, that you'd be driving up to Houston to help a church out here in Warsaw, Missouri? No, probably not. Christy, did you ever think you'd be on stage at a young age singing all the time? Don't know. Maybe you did. Because people respond. On this altar call, first thing I'm going to ask you, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, because the way that you experience this presence that I'm talking about is receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior. And if you haven't asked Him in your life, aren't you tired? Where's life taking you? Where are you going? Aren't you tired of feeling lonely? Aren't you tired of all the abuse and all the things? Aren't you just tired? Is it working for you? But if you want to know him, I pray that you come. Second of all, how many is here today that you just, you try to rely upon self too much and you're not relying upon the presence of God? You're trying to do everything yourself still. How's it working for you? Man, there's, there's liberation when you welcome the presence of God in your life. And that's all I'm trying to get you to focus on this morning is to ask for the presence of God to, to, to lead you and guide you because the Word of God says He's in you and He will be within you forever as a believer. I don't need to do it Paul's way. I need to do it God's way. So wherever you're at, don't tell me, Pastor, you don't understand. Look, there's a lot of things I don't understand. But I'm telling you, God can make a way where there seems no way. It's called faith. It's called believing. That's it. That's all I have. Prayer team's here. They're going to sing. The choice is yours. God didn't try to move this morning. 
God didn't try to speak. The word has been spoken. God's spirit is moving. Here's the question. Are you going to obey or disobey? See, there's no in between. God didn't try. God did exactly what he wanted to do this morning. Are we going to obey or disobey? Are we going to lean up on our own understanding or are we going to lean up on God's? I pray that you come to an altar of prayer because you want the presence of God to lead you, to guide you, to be with you in your deepest, darkest time, to be with you in your greatest time. The altars are open.